Carol Danvers, prodigal child of the Milky Way. Nick Fury. My favorite one-eyed man of intrigue. How goes it out there? Uh, you know, cold, no air, space. Captain Marvel. The Annihilator. You took everything from me. And now I'm returning the favor. light-based powers so we switch places whenever we use them strong theory you can absorb light i can see it and kamala who's kamala hi she can turn light into physical matter which i have never heard of i could totally show you no every planet we call home. I would never choose to bring anybody into this. You are not the only thing standing between this and the universe. Oh my god, we're a team. Higher. Further. Faster. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Ture and Eric Wong. So tonight we are talking about the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe film, the 33rd in the franchise titled The Marvels, which stars Brie Larson, Iman Vellani, Tayona Paris, Samuel L. Jackson, and Zawe Ashton. It is directed by Nia DaCosta. And it is the sequel to 2018's Captain Marvel. And an interesting fact is that this is the very first Marvel movie to be considered a box office bomb. Disney's having a pretty rough year, so things aren't looking so bright for them. They just released a statement on filmmaking and their future slate, saying they want to focus on quality instead of quantity. It took a lot of time and effort for them to come to that brilliant solution to their problem. but. When did you guys see this? Oh, man. I saw this like opening weekend, so a couple weekends ago now. And I did not revisit this, so uh, it's not as fresh as it should be. But let's be honest. I don't think I needed to revisit it. <laughs> we can help you out because I just saw it this weekend. And Jeff? Well, I saw it opening weekend, too. And then I just recently... People were talking about this online, and I honestly did not remember any of the things that they were talking about. So I was like, well, that's kind of a problem if we're doing a podcast episode on it. So I went to see it again today, and I realized why I have started forgetting things about this movie, because I'm already starting to forget things about this movie. <laughs> Only, what, three hours after seeing it? So I'm glad we did this episode today. It's fading fast. <laughs> the Disney stuff is just not hitting lately their new animated movie wish is a critical and financial dud this movie is the first marvel movie to be considered a box office bomb so what does that mean can we contextualize that what i'm seeing on wikipedia is a 274.8 million gross budget and only a 188 million box office yeah i mean it's the lowest out of all of them is it the first one to be negative or just the first one to be this low both both. So they all make money, like, regardless, is what you're saying, except for this one. To contextualize it, Killers of the Flower Moon just might beat this domestically. <laughs> it's not good. For further context, Quantum Mania, which, like, everybody hated, had a smaller budget and made way more money. It had a $200 million budget, and it made $476 million. 
So it still made well over double its budget. Wait, so how much was the budget for this one? Sorry. 274, 274 million. And it's only made 188, firmly in the negative. Whereas uh, even something like Quantumania made back double its budget. Which I don't know if that, like advertising and stuff like that's really double, if that's just actually breaking even. I don't really know. But even something like Quantumania didn't do that fantastically. And then something like Guardians, which people liked and was good, made 845 million, right? You're like, most of the way to a billion. Same with Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. That's another 800 plus million movie. The latest Thor was 700 million. These things are killers. Multiverse of Madness made nearly a billion dollars at the box office. 955 million dollars. So these movies tend to make absolutely shocking amounts of money. Spider-Man No Way Home made almost two billion dollars. That was an anomaly. No, I know, but I'm just saying. In itself, that's kind of an anomaly. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, even The Eternals, which is the other like kind of big dud in their oof, right? At least critically. It had a $236 million budget and a $400 million box office. Even that is on the same level as something like a quantum mania. So this is doing uniquely poorly financially. They came out with a statement saying, oh, we got to focus on quality instead of quantity now. And the thing is, I feel like Disney has no recourse left other than making better movies. You can't use like social justice language to shield your movies from criticism anymore. You just have to make better movies, I think. I think that's the only thing left for them to do, right? In the unique year that is 2023, you can't say, like, just because this movie's led by women and directed by a woman that, you know, it's misogyny that's killing the movie. Because Barbie, earlier this summer, is the highest grossing movie of the year, made over a billion and a half. Okay, I'll agree that I think that a lot of these defenses of the Marvel products are like super cynical and like not real but is it crazy to think that misogyny is part of the reason this isn't doing well like this movie i guess i'll come out with my take right now this movie isn't as bad as its box office share like it's not good i didn't like it but it's not worse than quantumania mm. right oh really you think this is worse than quantumania oh man okay so you really hated this okay. <laughs> we'll get it i didn't think this was worse than quantumania and i mean it did uniquely poorly but then i'm looking also at the take of something like black widow now granted this is maybe kind of a covid movie it's like ah, july 21 i don't know but that was a 288 budget and made 370 million so like a kind of a, another one of these sort of middling ones that was like the height of covid that movie got fucked by COVID. Mid-21? Right, it didn't even release in theaters. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. And even that did better than this. It did way better, yeah. One of the things that we didn't even mention is that the first Captain Marvel, which had a whole thing of misogynistic neckbeards online hating on Brie Larson for no reason, even before the movie came out, that movie made a billion dollars. On a smaller budget than this one. And that wasn't even, like, one of my favorites either. But, no, it's kind of mid. I mean, looking back on that one compared to the Marvels, that one's like fucking Citizen Kane compared to this shit. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> and the fact that, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy and Wakanda Forever, which are pretty good, at least, those making money makes it so clear that they just got to start making better movies. And it's just a quality thing. All right. I, I think you convinced me. I think you convinced me. People aren't falling for the grift anymore. They can't just pump out these movies and be like, oh, they're always going to make $700 million plus or whatever. Or like, you know, do gangbusters at the box office when that's just not really the case anymore. I think people are more discerning. They want different things. They want things to be good. And there's no reason these shouldn't be good, right? You can attract pretty top talent, good actors out there who are willing to do a Marvel movie to make a check and pay for their house or pay for their kids' education or whatever. So you can get pretty good actors. You can loop pretty good directors in. I mean, they got Chloe Zhao. Like, not that it worked out, but like, there's no shortage of talent if you're willing to let them off the leash a little bit. So it really is just like, do they want it, right? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's a Kevin Feige problem. It's absolutely a Kevin Feige problem because the way they treat these directors is pretty bad. But it sort of worked in the first phase, right? That whole Marvel like house style neutering the directors and just having this kind of iron control over the franchise sort of made sense at the beginning, didn't it? Like, weren't they praised for their kind of unity of focus and continuity and 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 they kind of took the time to set things up in a way that the haphazard scattered dc universe didn't like wasn't this a strength in the first phase it was but now i think they're leaning too hard into the iron-fisted control of the studio 
You know, where movies like Joe Johnston's Captain America, The First Avenger, or Thor from Kenneth Branagh, you still kind of saw their fingerprints on this. But this does not look like a Nia DaCosta movie at all. And she said in an interview, like, this is pretty much made by committee. Kevin Feige's really the guiding hand of these movies. And, like, I didn't really have that much say. Really? Yeah, she said that. I didn't read that. That's brutal. And when the movie underperformed, they threw her under the bus, paid the Hollywood Reporter and Variety to do, like, hit pieces on her. And Get shit. the fuck it's out. I didn't know brutal. about that. That's insane. I don't know if you guys saw that piece where it was like, why did Nia DaCosta bail on the rap party? Mm-mm, I didn't see this at all. So first of all, directors usually don't attend the rap party. And then the article itself said buried in like the third paragraph, Nia DaCosta was not invited. So that headline is like super unfair, uncharitable. You know what I mean? When the whole thing is she wasn't invited, but the headline just says, oh, why did she bail? Right? It's fucking clickbait. Right. Yeah. 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 I agree with Amir more in the sense that like, I think that my thoughts of this movie don't seem to reflect the box office, right? In, in the sense that, like, I do think this movie is much better than the box office is reflecting at the moment. Do I think this is a perfect movie? No. Do I think this is, like, even a great movie compared to other Marvel movies? No. I don't know if I agree, Jeff, that your assessment that there isn't some kind of other X factor at play, right? And I don't know if we can specifically point it's like a misogyny thing or if it's just diminishing returns. Like, I remember people really not liking the first Captain Marvel movie. I'll echo that. I talked to people who were just like movie fans and who liked the Marvel movies. And they were like, yeah, this one was like awful. Like, people really didn't like it. And obviously, it made a lot of money, so it's not everyone. But there was definitely like a backlash. I think it's super mid, but I've had an okay time with it. I think a lot of the problems that the later Marvel movies have, the first one didn't really have. Also, this one, we didn't even mention that, you know, the Disney Plus stuff is a big factor in this too. Yes. Like, two of the leads are characters introduced in Disney Plus shows, so, like, you really had to do your homework. I feel like the movie does an okay job catching you up with these two characters if you haven't seen their two respective Disney Plus shows, but it doesn't help in making people care about the movie when... You know, if you haven't seen the show, these characters are just like, who are these guys? I think that's also a big factor in this, too. What I was trying to get is, I think Marvel, you saying it's Kevin Feige's fault, like, I think, yes, he has some fault in this. But, like, also, reports have been that JPEG really pushed for a lot of the Disney Plus stuff. Like, he wanted to flood Disney Plus with more Star Wars, with more Marvel. Yeah. And really, like, force, you know someone like Kevin Feige's hand to like have to produce these five or six series have come out since like Disney Plus has started, right? And all of those things have turned out to be just okay. Like I think there are moments in most of the series that I really enjoy. And there are some that I enjoy more than others. And as much as I did enjoy like parts of Miss Marvel, that was really messy. As much as I did enjoy WandaVision, like that was really messy. I don't think any of the Marvel series have been really that clean, except for maybe like Loki season one, maybe. You bring up a good point, Amir. Things like Eternals, things like Black Widow, you know, all these movies that are still making money, but I think it is diminishing returns. If I remember correctly, people's impressions of Eternals aren't that high either. If it wasn't for Quantumania and this one, that would probably be like the bottom of most people's lists, right? You know, that made so much money because like people were expecting Marvel to be good and it wasn't. And I think they're starting to learn that a lot of this stuff isn't really great in Phase 5. And I think the combination of Captain Marvel not being loved and then also this latest phase and then the combination of having two of the stars come from the TV shows. I think all that is kind of working against this movie when it comes to like trying to draw in an audience. I don't know if you guys know about this book. Uh, It's just called MCU, The Reign of Marvel Studios. It's by Joanna Robinson, Dave Gonzalez, Mm -hmm. Gavin Edwards. So I've been reading like some excerpts from it. And Derek, you made a good point about Bob Chapek and like really the glut of stuff that they've been releasing since phase four. So like one of the passages in the book talks about the industry preview day, right? Where they announced all the shows. Like Fantastic Four and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the book outlines that none of these projects that they announced for that was even remotely ready to be announced yet. And if you remember the industry preview day... They announced the release dates 
of all those projects. So like Echo, Fantastic Four, Agatha, Armor Wars, all stuff that we haven't even seen yet. Is right? that the one where they brought out Mahershali as Blade? Yeah, for Blade, right? Mm-hmm. So like they brought all those things out and they weren't even remotely ready. All they had were basically were the titles. Yeah. And they put everything on the fast track to be developed. That's like the mentality that the studio is having right now is just get shit out as fast as possible. People love it. They'll eat it up no matter what. And that's a huge mistake. And now they're paying for it. Yeah, they're putting out like, what, three of these movies a year plus a bunch of TV shows. All right. So this year was Quantumania, Guardians, and the Marvels. Guardians was good. The other two, nobody liked. The last year was... Doctor Strange, Thor, and Wakanda Forever. That's actually a much better year than this year, even though those are all like people have their issues with all of those. Uh, those are all better than this year and all made money, right? Yeah, yeah. Except for Guardians. I think Guardians people really like, but the other two just really crummy. And then again, there's three and 21. Shang-Chi people liked, but it's mid. It was fun. I don't know. Shang-Chi's fine. And then Eternals nobody liked. And then Spider-Man No Way Home is one of their biggest ever, right? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. And then there's also Black Widow, which we've already talked about. And then there's the gap for COVID. There's another three in 2019. And that's endgame, right? So that's like the end of the last phase, really. And then, you know, going back to this statement about like, hey, we need to do more quality over quantity. I think as a result, like we are not getting much next year because of it. I don't know if it's because of it, but I think it's just coinciding with this statement now. Echo is definitely has a release date for next year, but I mm-hmm. don't know if any other TV shows have really solid yeah. release dates. I think it's just Echo and Deadpool. Deadpool 3, yeah. That's crazy. So one show and one movie. Dude, they need it. They They need need it. it. Yeah. 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 A little pause. And I mean, I'm going to say now, I think Deadpool 3 is going to be a big success for them. Everyone loves Deadpool. You're bringing back Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Like (sighs) As much as if you like that decision or not. I think that thing's going to make a lot of money. <laughs> going to get butts and seats, right? We haven't even talked about this movie yet. Yeah. Should we talk about this movie? Oh, yeah. Well, you had to establish, you know, 20 minutes of context. I guess I'll start because I think out of us three, I'm probably going to be the most positive of this movie and this movie being the Marvels, right? I have already said, like, I don't think this is anywhere near a perfect movie. I don't think this is a great movie. Uh, it, maybe it's not even a, a good movie, but I will say I had a lot of fun with this And one thing I will give this movie maybe over any Marvel movie is that it's kind of fucking weird. There's, and this is starting to get into spoilers, there's like a planet where people sing. There's like a whole goose sequence that I thought was really fun. And the whole body switching thing is, I think, used effectively at times. I think sometimes it's kind of not great, but... I think there is some pretty fun action sequence with the body switching. So, I mean, overall, I had a lot of fun, but I do think that Weirdly, you know, the Marvels being this trifecta of three heroines, two of the heroines do not have any chemistry, really. I think the star of this movie really is um, Miss Marvel, Amon Bellani, and her family. Like, I really liked her family stuff. And that was like some of my favorite stuff from Miss Marvel, the, you know, the TV show. I'm glad it translates in the movie. I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, they kind of wish this was just Miss Marvel's movie. I do too. I might have liked that movie more, but I would be afraid also that that would have made even less money than this. Because it would have had no tie into the greater MCU, right? Well, it also is just like how many people have watched this Marvel. You're taking a TV show character and then making her the lead. You're taking a gamble there, I think, in my mind. Even though how much I do love that character and love the family. Uh, what about you guys? I guess we'll go in probably like descending order. <laughs> descending so I, I, order? <laughs> I'll, I'll go next. So again, I'll agree with you. I don't think this was great or even good. It might not even be all right. I think it is probably a bad movie. Like, I think there's a lot of structural flaws to this, which we'll talk about. But yeah, my gut is that, I don't know, maybe I just need to think about it a little more. But I don't know that this is the 33rd film out of the 33 they've done. Like, is this really the worst one out of all of them? I don't know. I think this is like a bit of a getting at the wrong place in the zeitgeist when people are getting tired of the Marvel stuff. And I think there's like other things going on besides this movie's quality. I will say one of its primary strengths is also like a kind of a weakness in that it is kind of a short movie, right? It's really like an hour and a half or something like that, which these days is is really short for one of these movies. So it's only 105 minutes, which I think is great. I think it's the shortest one, no? Yeah, I think it is. And I think that's great, but I think it doesn't leave them enough time to integrate the three 
heroines, two of whom you only know from TV, if you know them at all, flesh everything out. It would have benefited from more time the same way the Snyder Cut benefited from more time. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I don't want to see the Snyder Cut of the Marvels. I'm sorry. DaCosta <laughs> yeah. Cut of the Marvels. Like, well, I mean, I guess part of the problem is there is no DaCosta Cut of the Marvels, right? Yeah. I mean, I like that it was fast and breezy and kind of zany, as um, Derek was saying. But that's also one of its primary flaws. I would not have seen this unless we were talking about it for the show. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't have the juice. I don't know. Like, I think just Captain Marvel was fine, and then the other two are coming from TV shows, which, you know, uh, WandaVision was pretty okay. There were parts we liked, parts we didn't. And then I actually didn't watch Miss Marvel. I was just getting so tired of the constant deluge of content. I, I, I didn't see it. I think this just didn't really have the pull to put people's butts in seats. That argument is not true for Jeffrey Zhang, who saw this twice. So, Jeff, what did you think? I don't know why I even saw this <laughs> He twice. loves this movie, guys. <laughs> I should have just bullshitted my way through the episode. I think this movie has the illusion of being better than Quantumania, because there are a lot of things, like Derek and, I mean, both of you guys pointed out, there's fun stuff in this, but I've come to the realization that it's probably just as bad as Quantumania. It looks like hammered shit. The <laughs> costumes are from Party City. The script is like held together with scotch tape and balsa wood. It's one of the worst villains in the entire franchise. Yeah. And structurally, this movie's a fucking mess. It is so much worse than Quantumania in terms of structure. Like actually being a movie? Yeah, like actually being a movie. Like a set beginning, middle, and end. Like, you know, Quantumania, you're riding the rails of this beginning, middle, end story where I'm at least on the same wavelength of the movie, even though it's bad. But like here, I couldn't even vibe with the movie. Like, it's so weirdly paced. I could not settle into the groove that the movie was trying to set down in front of me. The editing is so bad. It's like edited with a weed whacker. I don't know what's going <laughs> on in this thing. So should we give a little synopsis of the movie? So basically, this is just a sequel to Captain Marvel, 2018's Captain Marvel, and they're including two more leads, Iman Vellani's Miss Marvel and Teona Paris as Monica Rambeau. It follows up Guardians of the Galaxy's Ronan the Accuser, right? Like this villain, Zawe Ashton's Darben. Yes, Darben, that's right. Darben. So she's like the new Supremor who's taken over from Ronan the Accuser, right? Because she's got like his hammer and everything. She's trying to restore the supremacy of the Kree Empire and their like homeworld Hala, which has been destroyed after Captain Marvel did an oopsie and destroyed the Supreme Intelligence. Basically, she thought that destroying the Supreme Intelligence in the first movie would make Hala a better place and solve the civil war problem that they had, but it actually just depleted all their resources. And this new villain, Darben, is trying to use this jump technology to restore the planet's dying sun, replenish the desiccated oceans, and basically just fix the planet of Hala. There's like some Kree scroll war stuff in this. Basically what happens is that our three leads, the Marvels, they get quantumly entangled and they're basically trying to stop Darben from destroying other worlds to restore Hala. Is that basically right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. That's pretty good. Pretty good. It's also straight off. Like, sci-fi plot-wise, I like the idea of a dying world that has to replenish itself by stealing the resources of other worlds. Yes. Like, that's really cool, actually. I just think that the Captain Marvel part of it is a little bit strange, right? They want her to be this like reluctant heroine who's made mistakes in her past and she's sorry for it and just like confront that. But that whole arc never really makes full sense, right? Like she seems super callow and callous and uncaring as well if she just like leaves this world to die the way she has. Like they call her the annihilator in the movie and she's like anathemized. But she should be. She fucking sucks. Like this is all yeah. she's like destroyed this world and is just kind of like, uh, I got like Captain Marvel shit to do. I'm out. Peace. And she's just like, let this world die for 30 years or something like that or 40 years. I'm going to be honest. None of the arcs land for me here. So yeah, like that just didn't work. And I think it could have because I think there's like a cool idea at the center. That she's got this, like, I don't know, primal mistake or shame of having done this. And it should come back around in the end. She's supposed to learn something in this movie that lets her be like, now I know how to fix Hala and I can redeem myself. 
But she doesn't really, like, learn anything or no. – she doesn't even use the bands to do it, which would have made sense, right? Like the artifacts that um, Darben <laughs> yeah. has been using to steal the resources. The solution is just something she could have done in the beginning of the movie. 30 years ago. Yes, exactly. Why didn't she just fix Hala immediately? She yeah. like, didn't believe in herself or something? That's fucking shitty. That, it's that doesn't so make undercooked. Fucking sense. It's really bad. What you're talking about, Amir, is bad. And then the stuff with – Miss Marvel and Tano Paris's Monica Rambeau, they're also bad. All this stuff is, like, interesting if they landed it, but they don't land any of it. It's all undercooked. So the big thing with Miss Marvel is that I thought she was going to have, like, the never meet your heroes moment where, you know, they let a bunch of the scrolls die. And then she's like, oh, Captain Marvel's kind of shitty. And then, you know... Tayona Paris's Monica Rambeau has like this whole abandonment issue with Captain Marvel, who, you know, she idolized as a kid because she was like her mom's best friend. Her mom's partner, let's be real. Partner. <laughs> was she? No, but I mean, kind of, right? Like, it was the 80s. She called her Aunt Carol. They were always hanging. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's pretty, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Maybe I'm <laughs> going too far, but I think it's pretty on the surface there. She has all these abandonment issues where Captain Marvel just bounced and then her mom dies of cancer while she's blipped. So she has like all this animosity towards Carol and that's super undercooked too. They just have a moment in the middle of the movie where like, okay, let's hug it out and then that's it. And like it resolves all the issues. It's so bad. Yeah. It's so bad. Oh, and I was mentioning that I think two out of the three leads don't really have great chemistry. And I think it's Brie Larson and Teona Paris. Amon Vellani is my favorite part of this movie, just because I like her character. But she's the one that actually doesn't seem to fit the most, right? Like, this really should maybe even just be a Carol Danvers, Monica Rambeau movie, right? Because like, they're the kind of emotional core, I think. You know, they have the emotional stakes that are tied closer together versus, you know, Amon Vellani is just kind of, like you said, there to hero worship. She's just a big fan of Captain Marvel, right? Yeah. I think you make a good point, Derek. I think this could have been a good Captain Marvel Monica Rambeau movie or a good Captain Marvel Miss Marvel movie. And they decided to jam them all together and it just doesn't work. But none of those arcs even work, like, even remotely. They're so bad, like so badly drawn. The one scene you're talking about is when they get to the planet with all the wheat, right? And they're just like outside the ship trying to hash it out. Dialogue-wise, acting-wise, that was not great. <laughs> um, like I did not believe that these people like cared about each other or care about resolving their issues. I was it- talking about after they used the memory machine, the scroll memory machine. All their issues came out while using the memory machine and then... At the end, they just kumbaya it out, right? They were like, okay, let's just hug it out and fucking resolve all our issues. When that should have been the meat of the movie. Like, mm-hmm. these issues are interesting. I kind of mm-hmm. liked seeing that stuff. And they just glossed over it completely for some nonsensical stuff. And there's sort of a through line with Captain Marvel, like Brie Larson's character, abandoning responsibility, right? Running away yeah. from the Hala thing. Running away from uh, Monica Rambeau. Like, they don't fully ever connect that which they kind of show it as like hey these are the reasons this person is shitty and that like would have landed if miss marvel had had her never meet your heroes moment right like they could have tied that in and made that all work honestly like monica's so well situated to be the person to be like you know what don't get too close to carol yeah don't depend on her she's gonna abandon you and then they could have had her actually do that actually abandon them in order to they almost do it right they're in that fight scene on the water planet with the singing and they're running from um, Darben's ships. Carol's trying to like push things too far, right? They could have followed through with that and had that actually be a point of contention, but they don't really. And going back to the Darben, like I agree with you, Jeff, that she is also undercooked. She is not a great villain. But I also agree with Amir that she's fascinating. This idea that this person isn't really evil per se, anti-hero kind of thing, where she's just trying to help her planet. And you know, her planet is dying. She's trying to get resources for her planet to live and her people to live. This were another movie. She's kind of the hero, right? Maybe she's not going about it the right way, but there is something fascinating about this idea. In a good movie, she's Killmonger. Yeah, I agree. She deserves better than this. Yeah. Are you a Zoe Ashton fan? Uh, she's okay. I haven't really seen her in much of anything else. I think she has the distinction of being in the romantic relationship with the largest disparity between the quality of Marvel 
MCU villains because she's engaged <laughs> Tom Hiddleston. Yes, yes. I was just going to say. <laughs> and she's possibly the worst villain of all these movies, and he's probably the best. So Take it another level. I mean, the same weekend this came out is when the Loki finale happened, and everyone was loving on that Loki finale, right? And I don't know how many people were loving on the Darben character. <laughs> coming out of the bottles. I wasn't high on either but whatever <laughs> I liked the Loki season 2 finale I didn't love the season overall but I did really like the finale yeah but I'll agree with you there the other little connection here we didn't talk about is Nia DaCosta and Tiana Paris right so Nia DaCosta directed to 2021 Candyman and Tiana Paris was in that as the girlfriend of Guy Abdomatine's character so that's I a, remember that at least me and you Amir we weren't super crazy about the Candyman, 2021's Candyman. Oh, you could add me to that, too. I think the best thing about it was that it made me go back and watch the original. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, at least that had Nia Dacosta's fingerprints on it. That is a at least it, pretty at least it was looking a movie. movie. Yeah, it was a movie. It had ideas that I didn't jive with and I thought were the wrong choices, but it made coherent choices that I can respect even though I didn't like them. And like you said, it's a real movie, right? And it looks like a Nia DaCosta movie. It has personality. It has a certain je ne sais quoi to it. But she's just completely erased from this movie. And so many weird little choices here where, you know, they brought in the notebook drawings from the Miss Marvel show and used them exactly once, which I thought was kind of cute. Oh, yeah, those were fun in the beginning. I'd forgot about those. Yeah. I don't know how you would bring it back if, you know, she's out in space. But, like, you could have done something because I think those are cool. And that's definitely not something that Marvel does a lot. An injection of, I don't know, like, hand-drawn style. And it's not a Kevin Feige thing. And that's why people liked it a lot in the Miss Marvel show, which also abandoned it a couple episodes. And they only did it a couple times, right? The illusion that this is better than Quantumania is that I like all three of these leads more than I like any of the characters in Quantumania or the Ant-Man series, at least other than Paul Rudd's Scott Lang, right? You also had a pre-cancellation Jonathan Majors in that. Yeah. He was pretty disappointing, but you know he was still kind of fun. This is maybe recency bias. I still think Quantumania is really bad. I don't agree that this is even close to that. But maybe it's just because I really did not like Quantumanium. It didn't feel as bad. My subjective experience is the same as yours, Derek. But in talking about it, this is a pretty fucking bad movie. Yeah, no, it is, yeah. <laughs> like, the yeah, more, we're, too, ta- the more too, yeah. we're talking about it, the more I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is really That's what dismal. I'm saying. I'm like, okay, it's not really that bad. It's not as bad as Quantumania. But like, when I was trying to think of my talking points for this episode, I'm like, man, this movie's stinky too. <laughs> like you said, Amir, the 105 minute running time is not helping the food is so bad and so little of it yeah like the flurkin stuff sucks wait hold like... on wait hold on no what the flurkin <laughs> no, the, the, the cats the cats oh the cats okay like why is that in this movie i get why goose is in this movie but then you have like this whole flurkin egg infestation on the saber station that it's the trouble with tribbles right there's like a star trek shout out i feel like that has no place in this movie you could have cut that out and fleshed out absolutely and, and fleshed out the central more. relationships yeah yeah i mean i like cute cats as much as everyone it's kind of but... goofy fun you know what it fits in it fits in like if this is a tv show it fits yes. in as like one of the throw-off episodes yeah before you get back yes. to the main plot like that's what it is it's not like a 20-minute sequence in a movie that doesn't have the time to spare for it. I don't necessarily disagree that it couldn't have been cut to like better establish the main leads. I don't disagree that it's kind of weirdly out of place in this movie. But honestly, this is my favorite sequence of this movie. Just because of how weird it was. Maybe you guys won't agree with this. But this, to me, was more like horror comedy than like Sam Raimi got to do with multiverse and madness right (laughs) like the idea that these cats are the solution to the problem and there's a guy over the speaker saying let them eat you stop running away let the (laughs) freaking eat you we're still hiding around corners they're like screaming i thought this scene was so fun and so weird maybe it doesn't fit but i don't know this was like a highlight for me i absolutely love this sequence also like the visual effects in this movie are so bad everything looks like it's 
shot on a set? Like, what happened to these movies? I mean, I know what happened to these movies, but they used to look so much better. 2018's Captain Marvel, they had real sets. I mean, a lot of it was green screen and stuff. They had like, a blockbuster. No, it's good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looked more lived in. It looked more real. But, like, a lot of these special effects are just so bad. Like, the Flurkins look bad. The space station oh looks God. pretty bad. Yeah. I'll the space station looks pretty yeah. bad. Monica flying looked awful. What was that? The generic powers that all three of the leads share are bad too they're all nondescript beam hard light powers i don't even know what fucking monica rambo's actual powers are other than you know manipulating light but she can also phase through objects it's so nondescript and not visually interesting sorry amir were you gonna say something earlier i think i was gonna say with the flurkins that you described them as weird and i don't know if i'd say that weird exactly it's not strange enough to be weird i would almost call it just zany like, it doesn't rise mm. to the level of weird, which I like weird. And I don't think this makes that cut. It's just a little kind of zany. It's not goofy. weird that you're having a bunch of cats eat a bunch of people to save their lives? <laughs> I don't know. It's, just, it's a little zany, a little goofy, uh. a little hee-hee-ha-ha. I don't know. It, it didn't fully hit me in, like, that weird moment. I like a weird moment, a weird movie. And this – it didn't strike me as weird. It just, it just struck me as kind of – and maybe it's just Marvel and media in general, like, often don't take things seriously or take themselves seriously anymore. And so everything has this, like, layer of, like, irony or joking or hee-hee-ha-ha, self-awareness. And so, like, I don't know if that tainted it for me a little bit, where it just didn't seem like – it was just like, okay, this is just like a zany, marvel thing, as opposed to, like, oh, this is deeply weird and, like, horrific and strange. Hee-hee-ha-ha is a good way to put it, actually. I don't know. It's like that meme of the lady with a bag of peas on her head. It's like, she's so crazy, you know? Yeah, that's actually <laughs> It's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. And like, the singing planet is like that, too. I like that, too. But <laughs> Very once more with feeling. And they couldn't even commit to it. Yeah. The prince, he's like, oh, I'm bilingual. Yeah. I can... Because like, the whole thing is the planet, like, all the people on it, they don't understand unless you're singing. So their whole language is in song. But then, you know, the prince played by... Park Sujun, he's like, oh, I'm bilingual, so I can speak regular English and not yeah. have to sing. Well, it's weird because his English is pretty heavily accented, but then also, like, the songs aren't any good. No, they're not good. That's really the problem, right? Like, you're going to do a whole song planet, you better come up with some, I don't know, Disney villain song shit. Like, do something impressive yeah. with it. Right? You need some bops, they right? Like, they needed uh, It Was Agatha All Along, right? Yeah. Or even Kingo's Bollywood number from Eternals. I'll take that. <laughs> you know? Right. Wow. Impressed that I remember Kingo's name. But. Yeah, I can't believe you remember that. I agree. I agree that it was a little disappointing when all of a sudden he's just, oh, I can speak English. I'm like, oh. I thought it would have been more fun if they kind of kept with the singing the whole time. And I agree. Like, uh, the actual music could have been better. But, like, again, this is, I guess, one of those things where I liked it. I like the idea of this planet that we go to, that their language is song. I think it maybe it could have been established better that maybe like Monica and Kamala maybe couldn't understand them, even though we could, you know, like maybe they're, it sounds like they're singing in English, but they're actually not. Or maybe like actually make up a language and then have them sing in it. I think if they took a step more, it could have been a little bit better. And actually commit to it, you know. There's a lot of stuff like that in the movie, though, where you like can see where they were trying to go with it. And it's just horribly, horribly botched. The one last thing I did quite like was that first fight sequence. The one where they first kind of are switching and between like... Like between uh, Kamala's house. Kamala's house, the like... space station, and then somewhere in like uh, uh, space or whatever where Carol is. I thought that one was pretty fun. I thought that was a good use of that like switching dynamic. Yeah. I think the choreography is pretty neat in that. And you can see a little bit of, you know, Nia DaCosta's style in there, which I liked. But that thing was murdered in the editing room. That flow was completely off. Like, if you're doing body switching stuff and, like, energy powers and stuff, you gotta be, like, buttoned up on your editing and be, like, crystal clear with your geography of who's where and who's switching with who and what's going on. And I did not get that at all. Just the switching between the space station, Kamala's house, and then the Kree ship, right? So, like, it felt so jumbled to me. It was murdered in the editing room. Didn't work for me at all. I think it was clear enough for me just because I think the locations were... Different enough? Different enough, right? Like, one was, like, this house. One was, like, this dark hallway. And then one was, you know, you always had that kind of space background and, like, this room with a bunch of white furniture. So, like, 
I think that was the one way I could tell what was going on in that scene. But every time they switched, I was like, wait, wait, where are we? Wait, That's who is true. that? Yeah, like who you just know? switched with who? That was a little hard to track, I'll admit. Yeah. I think the best sequence in this movie, get ready for some praise, right? <laughs> <laughs> when they train with yeah. the mm-hmm. switching. I thought yes. that was fun. Yes. That was cool. Yes. They're trying Absolutely. to like synchronize their accidental switching. So they're like balancing books on their heads and juggling it's cool it's fun. jump roping doing a little hopscotch yeah yeah that works for me that worked but then it doesn't get paid off really well no right? it doesn't <laughs> it really does. scene, they still like fuck up a lot right yeah and yeah. it's just like wait you've just had a whole training montage and it doesn't seem like any of that stuck i was like oh shit they're gonna start coordinating yeah. their attacks with the switching mm-hmm. they do it a little bit. bit yeah it's just not satisfying that does not live up to its potential either the way the darben just dies was really unsatisfying like yeah the end of this movie is pretty unsatisfying i guess what we didn't mention is our darben has his band right it's the second half of miss marvel's band right she also has a band so like they work together to give the user powers i think over space and time i think it's not very clear i think it lets you like open these jump yeah points these or jump points and so like she uses at the end open this giant riff that now somehow monica rambo is the only one that is able to close it without the bands it's very messy at the end but she gets stuck on the other side and then i guess this point brie larson's forgiven herself because she (laughs) she restarts holla's son all right we already mentioned this but the fact that she does a thing that she could have done just from the beginning of the movie even 30 fucking years ago is so fucking egregious to me. I cannot yeah, forget it's that. It's insane. Yeah. How did you write that? Like, come on. Like, it's so unforgivable, I think. Even just maybe like she doesn't have enough power, but the bands give her enough power or something like that. Right? Something. So then say that. Do that. Yeah. Right? Do something like that. Don't make it so that she could have done this all along. But now that she's forgiven herself, she can go back to Earth. <laughs> presumably if we ever see captain marvel again she's not gonna be in space i don't know whatever yeah that's kind of the end of the movie am i missing anything really important at the end of this movie besides getting to i guess maybe the mid credits and then that stinger at the end also so one thing we've talked about and i keep saying it's gonna happen i think we've talked about it plenty is that they're setting up for a young avengers right kamala khan sneaks into kate bishop's New York apartment, the one that we saw in uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. And like mm. she does a very similar thing to what Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury does with Iron Man at the end of Iron Man, the first Iron Man. Cute, by the way. I like that. It was kind of fun. This. I love that she's kind of fumbling, but she's trying to like mimic Nick Fury. This really worked for me. I actually really like this. It's like I'm putting together a team, you know? Yeah. And her and Kate Bishop, Haley Seinfeld, that could be a really fun dynamic for a movie. Yeah, yeah. Adding Cassie Lang, not as much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there are plenty of young Avengers that we've seen that, you know, this could be a fun team with some growing pains. I don't know if I'm like excited, but... I'm down with this just because I do like Amon Vellani. I do like Hailey Steinfeld in their respective roles. I don't know. What'd you guys think of this one? It was fine. I'm not like a big Young Avengers fan, so there's nothing I'm particularly looking forward to, but I wish them the best of luck in setting up that franchise. Yeah. I, like, I hope it's good, right? It'd be cool if there was some good stuff to watch. I, I like good stuff. Speaking of maybe not good things. No, uh, oh, definitely <laughs> speaking of not good things. The post credits. Or well, this is actually the mid credits. The, the, this is the mid credits. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kamala Khan setting up the Young Avengers is actually in the movie, which I feel like that actually could have just been a mid credits, but I guess whatever. Yeah, because that has nothing to do with the movie. It has nothing to do with the movie. It's kind of weird that it wasn't a mid-credits. Moving on to the actual mid-credits, we see Monica wake up. She is still stuck on the other side of this rift, but apparently she is saved, right? She's not, like, stuck in space. Yeah, so what happens is she had to close the rift from the other side, and the explosion that kills Darben with the two bands is powerful enough to not just open a rift in space-time, but, like, in the multiverse, right? So she's on the other side of like this multiversal rift. But go on. She's saved. She's saved. She wakes up. And if you've watched WandaVision, but I think, you know, some of that dream melding sequence gets into this, right? Like her missing her mom's death because she was blipped away or snapped away. So she wakes up and sees basically this person that looks like her mom. If you remember from the first one, Lashana Lynch played monica's mother but she also played a different version of captain marvel in multiverse of doctor strange yeah, doctor multiverse of madness, madness. Yeah, yeah, yeah and in this one you know she wakes up 
Monica sees her mom and starts acting like this person is her mom, but clearly this person does not recognize her, is not her mom. And we hear like another voice and that voice is, of course, Kelsey Grammer. And we see a big CGI'd beast. So we're like in the X-Mansion. We are seeing an X-Men here, like an actual, not just Miss Marvel being called a mutant. This is an actual like X-Men now. And then also her quote unquote mother isn't her mother, but a character named Binary, which I don't actually know. So like this is our first glimpse of the X-Men. Except not because they're definitely not using Kelsey Grammer's Beast in the actual X-Men movie. So this is the thing that bugs me about buying out the Fox universe, Disney buying Fox. I feel like they know that shit isn't going right, so they want to give you little keys to jingle in your face to be like, hey, I recognize that. Wolverine is coming back. Charles Xavier was back in Multiverse of Madness. Now you have Kelsey Grammer's Beast. You know, you're just taking away... The effect that your actual new X-Men, new cast of X-Men are going to have when you premiere them, right? You know that, right? Like, you know this is not going to be your actual X-Men. And they're just ringing that bell, jingling those keys in your face. And it's so obvious. And it looks like shit, too. I'm sorry. but Yeah, he does not look CGI great. Beast looks bad yeah i'll admit to like this didn't do it for me i mean there were some members of my audience that were like oh you know when they saw beast but admittedly i'm more excited about the young avengers thing you know that tease versus this yes i agree sheep in your audience (laughs) what about you amir what'd you think i mean that didn't do anything for me at all i don't really care about binary i don't super care about beast you know i'm excited for like an x-men movie but like you said jeff he's not gonna be in it so like what was that you know but I'm more excited for an X-Men movie than a Young Avengers thing just because I'm not familiar with the Young Avengers and I am familiar with the X-Men and I like the X-Men. So I still think maybe Marvel's kind of in a slump now. They need to make some good movies. But I do think maybe the X-Men and the Fantastic Four can be – well, maybe not the Fantastic Four. But maybe the X-Men can be a light at the end of the tunnel for them. If they really knock it out of the park, that can be another you know, whole phase or two of movies which people will go see because I think the X-Men are super, super popular. I'm going to be honest. I think Deadpool 3 kind of worries me. I'm – very concerned about that because How they're so? saying that it's going to be the springboard for Secret Wars, which is exactly what I want from my Deadpool movie. You know, like <laughs> springboard for a canon shattering event, big crossover. That's not what a Deadpool movie is meant for, yeah. right? And you know, just bringing Hugh Jackman back, more shit that doesn't mean anything. He's not going to be the new Wolverine, so like, it's all fan service, I think. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Like, I don't disagree that these are not going to be our X Men. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they're going to do themselves any service if they're just going to reuse like Kelsey Grammer, Hugh Jackman, and Patrick Stewart as like you know their respective characters again. But I do think we are going to see them again. You know what I mean? I still think they're probably going to play those cards in Secret Wars. Secret Wars being this kind of multi-dimensional war, it's every opportunity to both introduce new characters, new people as those characters, but then also still, you know, draw on these guys, right? These guys that, yes, they are like dangling the keys, but they are super popular. Like Say like goodbye, goodbye. to Yeah, them. like it could be a final goodbye for these guys, right? Respect that, you know, they led the charge, right? Like, I mean, you know, some of the first successful Marvel-based movies were those X-Men movies, right? Were the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in, you know, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man back into the MCU fold, use some of the fox ones right yeah that's a fair counter argument actually i can see that but the thing is like i just wish it was better done yeah it was done in a better way you know like there's just lowest common denominator stuff that you know i just really don't give a shit about like it's clearly not actually thought out they didn't really put the effort into any of this like this whole multiverse saga is a fucking mess it is it is such a mess so like what actually is the nexus of the multiverse right like we still don't even know Is it Spider-Man from No Way Home? Is it Multiverse of Madness? Is it Loki, the god of the stories now? Or is it, uh, you know, these bands that are ripping a hole in the multiversal fabric? Like, pick a lane. It's just a whole-ass mess. Yeah, I don't disagree that after 10 years, I feel like they earned getting to Infinity War and Endgame, right? Like, there was this feeling like, yes, let's end this on a high note. Right now, it's just like, everyone knows that we're trying to get to see your wars, but I don't know how they're getting there. Is it making sense how we're going to get there? Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of okay with that, I guess. Like, I don't know. How much setup do you really need? A post-credit sequence here or there? 
you know, tie a couple movies together, bing, bang, boom, and then you do a Secret Wars movie. Like, I feel like it's not that big a deal. Like, I feel like the bigger concern is, like, to make good movies. I don't know how much connective – like, you do need some, right? You don't want to just end up like DC where you're just throwing things together. But I don't think you need as much connective tissue as people are, like, saying, right? Yeah, like, and to that point, like, I think – you know, there's three phases before Endgame, but let's be honest, the first phase doesn't really count. You know, we don't really actually see Thanos until the Avengers, which is kind of like the end of phase one, you know? So they really only were working with two phases worth leading up to Endgame, so... But even most of those phases didn't really lead into Endgame. Phase two is Iron Man 3, Thor Dark World, Winter Soldier, Guardians. Guardians, I guess, probably the most of any of those. Age of Ultron, maybe again a little, but you're establishing vision. It's bits and pieces thrown in there. It's not like, I don't know, I don't know if there's that much heavy lifting to do. I think you're right in the sense that I feel like leading up to Secret Wars, they're trying to like connect every movie in some way, right, to this, whatever's going to happen versus if you think about what led to Endgame. It was just a lot of post-credits scenes, right, where we like saw Wanda and like Pietro, you know what I mean? Or we saw Thanos for like a second grab the gauntlet out of his little... Yeah, it's not like an enormous, you know... It wasn't like whole movies spent on it, yeah. I mean, definitely. Connective tissue from the Infinity Saga wasn't that much either, but those movies were good. Yeah, you know? no, and that's Amir's point, right? That's a yeah. huge difference. That's a big difference. And they need to get back to actually making good movies and, you know... I'm getting to the point where, like, I'm tapping out. Unless they really write the ship, I'm kind of done with these until then. I mean, if it wasn't for you guys, I would have skipped this one, so thanks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think we just had a hole in our schedule, and we needed to fill it, so. (laughs) There is a reason why we're not doing the Marvels until, like, three weeks after it's come out. But, yeah, Jeff, we'll see you next year for Deadpool 3, though. No. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. All right. Well, I think we've said enough. At this point, it's been three weeks since this movie came out. If you're not going to watch it, you're probably not going to watch it. Let's be honest. Well, no. I mean, uh, don't these things come out on Disney Plus? Like, eventually, yeah. So, yeah. Like, is this worth watching on Disney Plus? Do you guys think? I don't know that it's worth watching at all. Oh, okay. Like, there we go. I, I mean, I think you're on the right track, Derek. We're like, you already know if you want to watch this or not, right? Like, I'm not going to recommend it to anybody who isn't already going to go see it. Right? Like, that's insane. <laughs> now, you're, Mir, you're just actively trying to make people not watch it. No, <laughs> well, no, I'm not, I'm not going to stop you from watching it if you're like, hey, I'm a Marvel completionist. I like this stuff. Or like, if you like Miss Marvel and you're excited about her character and you really like the show. All right. Like, it's fine. It's an hour, only an hour and 40 minutes of your life. It's a bad movie, but whatever. Have fun. You know, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, you already know if you want to see this or not. Yeah, and you probably don't. All right. Well, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? You can find me rushing to see a movie I didn't like again because I forgot how bad it was. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can find me at the world's okayest photos on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our show is to subscribe where you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of the other popular apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our voices out to more people. Yeah, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on the Marvels, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. Sometimes we get listener mail, sometimes we read it out on the pod. So with that, we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.